0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to the final Real Estate Sessions Rewind episode for 2022. Next week, we'll be kicking off 2023 with a brand new episode. This week, it's Katie Day from January of 2022. She's the owner of the Move Me to Texas team, powered by Real Brokerage, LLC. And it's a great episode. You're going to hear a lot about video, a lot of other technology. Enjoy and have a safe and happy new year. Cheers.
1: Okay. If video and, you know, professional, not iPhone shot, you know, gimbal shot with a, with a professional camera is the standard, then what are you going to do to level up from that? And that's something that, you know, I'm still trying to figure out what that looks like for us and our team in 2022.
0: You're listening to the Real Estate Sessions podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Risser, Executive Vice President, Strategic Partnerships with Rate My Agent. A digital marketing platform designed to help great agents harness the power of verified reviews. For more information, head on over to ratemyagent.com. Listen in as I interview industry leaders and get their stories and journeys to the world of real estate. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 304 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. As always, thank you so much for tuning in and thank you so much for telling a friend. Today, we're headed down to Houston, Texas. We're going to talk to Katie Day. Katie is the team lead of the Move Me to Texas team, powered by Real Brokerage, LLC. Yep, we're going to talk to another real operation. I'm excited to, to chat with Katie. She's doing some great things in the world of technology uh, to help her customers with their marketing and other things. So let's get this thing started. Katie, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey, thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, Katie, thanks for being on the show. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, now, I'll start at the beginning like I always do. I did some digging and somehow I think there's a Florida tie with you. Is it possible that you're a Florida native or do I have that part of it on a little bit wrong?
1: I am not a Florida native. Um, I grew up in Maryland. So I lived there for the first you know portion of my life through high school. And then my parents were uh, retiring to Florida and when I was graduating from high school. So, you know, they wanted me down there. So, uh, when I went to University of Tampa and toured it and saw you know the campus and everything there I was like how could I not go here um, so yeah that's where where I ended up for for college
0: that's interesting Katie because I live in St. Petersburg just across the bay from Tampa and that University of Tampa campus is spectacular I think originally 100 years ago it was a hotel but would you mind sharing your thoughts about uh, about that campus and your experience yeah. there
1: yeah. So um the University of Tampa is right on the Hillsborough River. So it's, you know, an absolutely gorgeous campus. And the, the hotel is now administration buildings and, and classrooms and stuff like that. But they have these big minarets. So like the Russian style architecture, you know, minarets. And it's just a stunning campus. They have Wi-Fi at the pool. It's, you know, 30 to 40 minutes from the beach. As a as an eighteen year old that's being told that they are no longer living at home and can do whatever they want, you know why wouldn't you go live near the beach and have Wi Fi at the pool? You know, I said it was to to go study. I never took a computer to the pool, but you know it was it was an amazing uh, time. I loved living there. I lived in St. Pete for a little while as well, Orlando, Naples, but like my time in Tampa, especially you know as as a young adult just getting out of my parents' home, it was it was an absolute blast. I I. I loved it. I love my time in that in that area of Florida,
0: and probably just the perfect distance away from mom and dad, right?
1: Yeah. Well, and so they, so they live in Naples, uh, and they, they, that's where they moved to. And, you know, I was looking at like Florida Gulf Coast, which was like 30 minutes away. And I'm like, that's, that's a, that's an unexpected pop in, you know, two and a half hours. You've got to put some time and thought into coming to visit. Um, you know, also looked at like University of Florida and things like that, but that was, you know, further away. So it was a good, it was a good, you know, happy medium between the two being close enough to drive home for the weekend or for, you know, a meal or two, but far enough away that, that they weren't popping in or I wasn't popping in on them on a, on a regular basis.
0: What area of study was your degree in?
1: Yeah, so I got a degree in management. you know I, I didn't really know what direction I wanted my life to go in. I just knew that like business seemed like the uh, smart route as far as college went. so I was like, I'll just get a business degree and you know manager, you know getting a degree in management I'd, I'd like to manage people or things. I don't know. so that was my route and just got you know the the general business degree figuring it would it would bode well in in any circumstance.
0: Part of my research showed that you worked for Carrabba's, part of I think Bloomin Brands, a big company based here in Tampa. Is that right?
1: Yeah, Bloomin Brands. They've since that's not what it was when I worked there. And um, so I actually, so I worked for Carrabba's. It was my favorite restaurant. So fun fact, I worked there in high school. So it was my favorite restaurant, and in my town in Maryland, or the city that I lived in, they opened up a restaurant, and I saw it like you know driving, and I was sixteen maybe even 15 but i saw it and i was like i'm going to get a job there and i got a job as a hostess so i worked there um you know throughout the rest of my high school you know time time frame once i was 18 i became a server um and then when i moved to florida they obviously have them all over in in tampa and naples where my parents lived so i worked in both locations there you know whether i was home for the summer or you know at school Um, and yeah, I mean, I absolutely, I loved it. Also great being, you know, a poor college student is getting money paid in, in tips, right? So you come home with a couple hundred dollars cash at the end of the night. Like I was rich compared to my friends at that time, you know? And, and then also, you know, if there's food that's left over or, you know, things that were cooked that were mistakes, or, you know, you just throw the, throw the, the chef or the cook, you know, a couple extra bucks, like you're getting good food to eat. So I was eating very well through college.
0: The reason why I like to go back in time when I talk to my guests is just for stories like that. Carabas. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Um, now I've been doing this podcast now for six and a half years, and it seems that so many realtors have come, in out, have come out of either a hospitality, you know, servers, bartenders, uh, right behind that would yeah. be teachers and nurses. But why do you think it's so important for, uh, for the real estate industry for people to have that level of service?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think I, I definitely see a lot of that, right, of, you know, the bartenders and servers. I think that, it, that hospitality is a really hard industry as well. Um, and the hours, not that real estate's easy, but, you know, I think that uh, a lot of people see, you know, kind of similar parallels of, you know, the harder I work, the more money I can make. And then, you know, I think that the the customer service aspect of things and and taking care of people aspect of things, like people always need food and they always need housing. And it's also I think both are both are high stress environments, you know, so I think that um, there are a lot of parallels. So I do think that people in hospitality uh, do well in real estate. Um, and, and I definitely, definitely see a lot of that bartenders and servers and hospitality, you know, hotels, stuff like that coming into real estate.
0: You had a training role right uh, during your time with Carapas. Can you, we talk about that a little bit?
1: So I was a trainer with them throughout college but um when i was graduating from college it was kind of like you know am i going to stay in in hospitality and go into management or am i going to go find a job or what am i going to do and for me i you know in in doing what my parents wanted me to do or or whatever you know i i kind of looked for jobs in you know with law firms or business type jobs so I did end up kind of leaving the, the service industry. Um mean, in, I guess that would have been 2008. Um, yeah, throughout, I guess, probably like, oh, six, seven and eight. I did, you know, train and, and you know, do stuff like that for for Carabos.
0: Somehow, we now have to get you into the wonderful world of multifamily real estate. How'd that happen?
1: Yeah, good times. So I got into multifamily directly out of college. I as i said was interviewing with jobs for like insurance agencies and law firms and like legal assistants. and cuz like again like on a management degree it's not like i had this like super specific degree that i had a, a specific career path you know so i was just like okay what business jobs can i get that i make decent enough money that to to be able to pay some bills now that i'm out of college you know and i found a property management company that was hiring what they had deemed a manager in training or a manager in training program And basically, their thing was they brought people on as leasing agents. You know, now looking back on it, they bring people on as leasing agents and people that showed promise, they would then kind of show them different aspects of the business of, you know, the maintenance and of, you know, management and budgeting and finance and paying bills. And, and if, you know, we kind of went through that program, then they would potentially move us to another apartment community where we would become the property manager. So great. You know, program for them. Looking back on it now, I'm like, I was 20 years old when I got my first property. And I'm like, what were they thinking? You know, but it gave me so much business knowledge. It gave me so much knowledge on how to manage. And I don't think that I would be where I am now if I didn't have that. And like, yes, I I totally now think that that was too soon and I had too much responsibility and I made so many mistakes. But like, I don't think there's any other job or industry that I would have gotten that much knowledge and that much high level management and business. Knowledge really anywhere than than what than the path that I took and, and what happened there.
0: Initially, you worked in the Saint Petersburg, Tampa area, but I think this company kind of took you around the country. Is that right?
1: Yeah. So uh, initially, I worked in South Saint Petersburg. I worked in Orlando. I worked in Naples, Birmingham, Alabama, and then Houston, Texas. So. Was, was all, and that was the thing too. And like looking back on it, you know, hiring young kids right out of college, you normally don't have kids and spouses and pets and stuff like that. You're young and have nothing, nothing going for you, right? You have, you have no ties. Um, so, you know, it's great for, for them to call and be like, Hey, do you want to move to Orlando next week? You always say yes. They're like for $5,000 more a year. Yes. Do you want to move to Birmingham? A lot of them or for 10 grand more a year. Sure. Do you want to move to Houston, Texas? For, you know, looking back on it, it's like a lot of them were lateral moves, but like, hey, a new city, a new challenge. You know, they they find people, you know, with that driver personality that's like they want to fix everything and do everything. So, Uh, It was definitely a great move on their part. Looking back on it now, my negotiation skills clearly were terrible because I'm like, yeah, I'll move across the country. But uh, yeah, so I was, I was all over Florida, Alabama very briefly for about four months. And then, and then to Houston in 2011.
0: So how does residential real estate enter the picture?
1: So I was in multifamily here in Houston. I ended up working that for a while. And then I ended up going into single family property management for a while. And you know, again, like all of the experiences I had, I learned a ton about business. I learned a ton about management. I learned a ton about how to be a leader, how to not be a leader, you know, and, and all of that. And it just kind of got to the point for me that I was working really hard and, you know, like till eight, nine, 10 PM and getting paid the same amount of money every two weeks. Right. I was working really hard. And then like, there's a lot of like, for some of the companies I worked at a lot of like red tape of like, you know, I'm in charge of everything, but one of my departments is actually headed up by someone else. So they may they may, you know, mess things up, but I'm responsible for what they're doing, but I actually have no authority over them type things, you know? And so that was really frustrating to me of like getting beat up on on calls with our executive team or like, you know, getting beat up before earnings calls or things like that. Cause some of the companies I worked for were were publicly traded and it's like I'm getting beat up for things that like I have no control over. So I have to like take these take these licks, you know, that I have no control over them, so it's just it was frustrating to me to kind of be putting in all of this time and energy to something that like I didn't have full ownership over. So when I left property management to go into to residential, um, I basically had saved up money. I had you know a, a year in bonus stuff like that. I was like, okay, I'm putting six months of of money away in the bank. I gave it to my then at the at the time like fiance at the time and was like hey you know here are six months worth of my bills and i'm gonna try this real estate thing out and see what happens but like if i'm gonna work this hard like i would rather it just be for myself and like roll the dice on myself rather than work this hard to to make the same amount every two weeks so that was kind of my my moment
0: so who was your first brokerage who did you uh pay your license with first
1: so this is this is a really funny story. And this is actually something that's not that wasn't that funny until this year. Um, so I actually got my license and I affiliated with real um, back in 2015. Yeah, so I was with real for from 2015 to the end of 2016. And now I'm back. So this is why it's, it's a funny story. Yeah. So I, I joined real, Um I, I saw an ad online that was like, you know, high splits and, and, you know, low fees and no monthly fees and this and that. And I, you know, I don't even remember now at the time if they had monthly fees then, but, you know, super, super agent friendly brokerage tech focused, this, that and the other. And I was like, Oh, this seems cool. You know, I, I like money. So I, I affiliated with real to start my real estate career.
0: So many of the agents I've interviewed on this podcast started off their career with one of we'll call them the training brokerages, right? Yet you didn't. Yet you decided to go with the one that had the technology and the cool compensation. Uh, what was the difference? Why? What made you leave Real the, that first time?
1: Then you know the company was founded in 2014, right? So the, the company was in its infancy stages. They they did have a lot of training, even for a very small brokerage. You know that that was tech based, no local offices, all that. Um, nothing like it is today, but you know, I still got my training. Um, there are people here today that were still, or that were there then, right? That are still here now. Um, so it's funny seeing names again that I, that I saw years ago, but. Uh, for me, like everything was fine. And I think it was good here in Texas. A thing that's big is apartment locating and ho- home locating for rentals. So I was doing a lot of that. And like, you don't really need a ton of training for that, especially since I came from multifamily and single family management. So I understood the process. I knew how to work with apartment communities. I knew, I knew all that, but one of my friends who's, who's still a really, really good friend to this day, um, was a, an agent with Coble Banker. And that's how I knew him just from, uh, different circles. And he ended up getting promoted to be the branch manager of an office. And he called me and he's like, hey, I want you to come in and meet with me. I just got promoted. And I was like, I have no interest in leaving my brokerage. I'm good, man. I appreciate it. I, you know, congratulations to you, but I'm good. And so he kept kind of, you know, wearing me down. He's like, why don't you just come in and see the office? And I'm like, it's four walls and a roof. Like, and you got maybe some cubicles and desks. Like, I, I'm good. And so he wore me down again. He's like, all right, just come in. Like we'll grab lunch. Just, you know, whatever. So I go in and I'm dressed kind of like I am today, right? Like a t-shirt and jeans and, and cowboy boots. Cause that's like my casual wear. And he like greets me and he like walks me around a little bit, you know, and I, I think nothing of this. And then he's like, Oh, let me introduce you to someone, opens up a door. And he's like, this is my buddy Chet. Oh, hey, I got to go take this call. I'll be right back. And he closes the door. And I realized in that moment when he closed the door, I was like, I'm in a job interview right now. Like I'm in here in jeans and a t-shirt and this man's in a full suit. And I have nothing, you know. I mean, clearly I can have a conversation, but like I was not planning on having a conversation about my career or my goals or what I'm doing in real estate. And like I was there for almost two hours. Um, and it just totally hit it off with, with another manager, Chet. And I ended up signing with Cobalt Banker on Monday because like I just had such a great like conversation with them. My buddy was going to be managing the branch. And, you know, it, it was, it, I was with, you know, that branch for almost five years and it was great. Um, but yeah, it just, it, they got me. They got me. <laughs> I,
0: I love a good recruiting story. However, this one doesn't last because even though you did, you were a cold banker for five years, something brought you back to real recently. What was the difference? Why'd you go back?
1: So um, a few years ago, real started to change their compensation model and an agent model and things like that. So, you know, they added in the stock program, they added in the ability to cap Um, and and obviously with that, then, you know, depending on how much production you have, you can, you can get shares of stock and things like that. And so I'd always kept an eye on them. You know, I I had like my news alerts on, you know, as you do for a lot of different companies and, and, and businesses and names, you know, so I I was seeing what they were doing. I stayed in touch with our CEO and founder, um, you know, so we would message back and forth over the past five years and he'd be like, Hey, this is happening. Like you should come back. And, you know, I'm like, Oh, I appreciate you, man. Like, that's, that's, that's nice. Like, thanks so much. You know, like. Thank you. And I was really all in with, with Coble Banker, but, um, basically, you know, something, something happened this year that we, we suddenly were were shopping around for a new brokerage and we, we met with a lot of brokerages. Uh, we weren't, we weren't planning on leaving. We weren't thinking about it. And, you know, then we we're meeting with like five different brokerages and, and, you know, seeing what, what it would look like if we made that move. And, um, at that time, I was we, Real wasn't even in the conversation, but I was like, hey, if we're considering making a move, we need to call my buddy Tim uh, Macy out of San Antonio. I was like, because he's been at Real for a year and I I want to see what he thinks and like about what, what the, the decisions we're making and then if Real would be a, a good fit for us and for our business and for our team. And, you know, so we, we kind of started the conversation and then, you know, I linked back in Tamir who I had been, you know, talking to for the past five years and I was like, hey, man, I think I want to come back. You know, I, I think we want to do this. And it escalated quickly from there. And, you know, we we moved our team. So, yeah, it, it definitely wasn't something that we were you know necessarily planning or, you know, looking to make a change. But just, you know, somehow we we found ourselves interviewing with brokerages. And I was like, I, if, if we make a change, I would be it would be one of those moments where, like, I knew that I, that was a mistake to not at least have the conversation. We decided to have the conversation and then ended up, you know, moving the business.
0: All right. Now that we've got you back at real, yeah. let's talk about your team. What does it make? What's the makeup look like? Are buyers agents, listing agents, admin, what's the breakdown?
1: Yeah. So we are a team of nine agents. Um, and then we have three admin, um, plus a videographer. So we've got a combination of listing agents and buyers agents. Um, you know, generally speaking, when we bring new agents onto the team, they come on as a buyer's agent just to understand and ensure that they, um, you know, are are good on kind of our processes and how we do things. I think, you know, everyone kind of, especially if they're experienced, knows how to sell a home, right? But there are different things that we do in different processes that that we do that I think differentiate us from other, you know, agents or teams in the marketplace. So just so that they understand kind of how we do things and then, you know, potentially can then move into doing both listings and buyers if that's something that they want to do. And then our admin, we've got a marketing coordinator, um, and she, you know, helps with kind of social media and um helps with, Getting things scheduled, events, client events, stuff, uh, client mailers, stuff like that. And then we've got two transaction coordinators. Um, and then we have a videographer that uh, works with us, probably about fifteen to, to fifteen to twenty-ish hours a week or so, um, on top of his, you know, other stuff.
0: Katie, let's talk about your passion for marketing. It's something you take very seriously. Uh, to take care, taking care of your clients to make sure that you're doing everything you can to market their property well. I think many agents feel like they know how to market a property and they may know the basics, but to do it well, to really make a difference for that consumer is not easy. Can you share your thoughts on, on marketing?
1: it's something that I I have difficulty with sometimes. And, And I was recently at like a video mastermind and this was something that we talked about a lot is like, what can we do to continue to level up? Right. Because I think that like, if you go back, you know, so I've, I haven't been in real estate very long, but you know, if you go back to even when I first started in like 20, 16, I, I full time, I started 2017 was full time when I joined Covell Banker, but you know, even looking back five years, like video wasn't really a thing, right? Like you'd be like, Oh, I have this cutting edge video, video property tour, you know? And, and today, if you go into a listing appointment, you say, Hey, I'm going to do a video property tour. They're like, Okay, great. Yeah. So is every other person that we interviewed this week. So the, the, the conversation that we had in, in that master was kind of around like, okay, if video and you know professional, not iPhone shot, you know gimbal shot with a with a professional camera is the standard, then what are you going to do to level up from that? And that's something that you know I'm still trying to figure out what that looks like for us and our team in 2022. So, yeah, I mean, I I think that it's an ever evolving and changing thing. And I don't really remember what the initial question was because I went on a little bit of a, a, a tangent there. So I may have answered it, I may not have, but.
0: No, you did. You you answered that question well. And video is a key component for you when it comes to marketing property, or even marketing Houston or your your, a niche area that you work in. All of that stuff makes sense. But let's talk about YouTube video. We'll even get to Instagram eventually. But you know, you're you're working hard on that right now. You can tell. I I love some of the things that have come out of that YouTube channel. I think it's going to be amazing. It's already amazing, and I am curious to what your take is and how that's going to work going forward. Um, working with video.
1: YouTube is still something that I feel like I, I appreciate you saying that because that's not how I feel about the content and and what we're doing. That's something uh, that is is high on my list. And, you know, prior to this, we we're talking a little bit about, uh, you know, coaches and things like that. And like, so my coach is Jason Pantana, who is all things guru of all things, you know, digital and, and really just real estate, but digital. And like, he has been on me so much about me and my YouTube channel. And he's like, you need to go like harder and, and, and more on it. So I've got an entire 2022 plan that we're going to implement. But, um, yeah, I mean, so I, I do do some research, but like, I, I appreciate you saying that because it's, I don't feel that same way.
0: Let's talk about one of your videos in particular. And it was the pros and cons of moving to Houston or Houston real estate. You covered a lot of different things and that video blew up. So let's talk. Is that something that you're trying to duplicate? Something that you're going to be doing more of? Yeah. Uh, I think that video was, was fantastic. Let's talk about that for a second.
1: Yeah, though no, that I was not expecting that to happen. Um, what really frustrates me about that video, you know, I'll, I'll just be completely honest is it's, it was shot on my phone with a front-facing camera, and I think that it was like a little smudged because I look at it and I'm like, "God, oh, this is blurry." Um, you know, there are things that I would have done differently as far as B-roll. There are things that I would have done differently as far as what I said. But like, it's one of those like done is better than perfect. And I was like, I need to put out content. I need to put out content. So just post it, and I'll do another one later, and I'll do a better one later, and it's fine. And then, you know, obviously it didn't have like fifty thousand views in a day, but it was like a thousand views in a day. And I was like, holy moly, this is not something that normally happens. Normally I get seven views in a day and it's like me, you know, my admin and my mom. Right. So like, I was like, Oh geez, like I can't pull it down. Like, so we'll just like let it ride. And then it just continued to increase. And I'm like, God. And so 2022, we were going to do high production quality YouTube videos and, you know, I'm going to have bullet points laid out and it's going to be great. But um yeah. So was not expecting it to, to, To take off in the manner in which it did but it did um and and we've been very fortunate because you know that then kind of spurs on other videos to to be watched right because if people watch that then then mine come up on their feed as far as you know suggest suggested videos (laughs)
0: <laughs> Katie, look, I, you're being a little hard on yourself or it just could be that driver personality that you have. To, you want these things to be great. Uh, so it'll be fun to watch where that YouTube channel develops in 2022 is, is uh, you keep working on the, the content and what you're doing there. So let's switch over to Instagram for a little bit. I've had people tell me, you know, people are on Instagram, but it never sells a property. They can't generate any business that way. First of all, what do you say to them? <laughs> and second, let's talk about the strategy behind your Instagram channel. What are you trying to to do there? Uh, what are some of the things that are really important for you? What are some things you could share with people so they're doing the right things on theirs?
1: First of all, if anyone tells you, and I know obviously you already tell them this, but that you can't get business from Instagram, they're full of it. So, you know, that would be kind of my like sidebar to this conversation or or, you know, intro to this conversation it's difficult because a lot of times people post content for other realtors and they're not posting content for consumers. And I think that's one of the biggest mistakes that people make is they're posting what they think other people want to see, not what actual consumers want to see. Right. Um, and, that was I mean, my mistake, and every agent's mistake, honestly, in the beginning, if you go back to my thing, it's like a highlight reel of like just listed, just sold, just listed, just sold, and you know, there's no actual value so twenty seventeen ish was when I started realizing that I needed to have buckets of content and things that I included, and um, you know, everyone in real estate heard of Gary Vee, right. Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk and, you know, his entire like digital mayor kind of thing really resonated with me as we work with people in, you know, finding a home. They often want to know what that community and what that neighborhood is going to be like. So, you know, we had a specific farm that we were working that I was like, okay, wouldn't it be cool if we did videos of every single, fa- every single, uh, business that we frequent in our farm, right? The bars, the restaurants, the coffee shops, all that. Um, so we started in a very small area of Houston and kind of. Branched out from there, so the community-based content was one, right? Then it was like, okay, I'm selling real estate, right? So I need people to know that I'm, you know, selling real estate and knowledgeable. So I'm going to talk about the market. I'm going to talk about real estate things and and be that, you know, knowledge broker, right? So that's bucket two. Then I do need to have some just listed, just sold, right? Proof of success. I think that that's big. I think that a lot of people focus in on just listed, just sold. I think that's great, but you should also include the story of like, hey, this is really difficult for the buyer because they put offers in on ten homes and we finally crafted the one that 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 hit, right? Whatever happened. Or there was an issue with title and the title company came through. Or there was you know an issue with a lender, but the lender did this. Like because I think that if you tell people to all rainbows and butterflies and they watch HGTV, they think that it is. But that proof of success, I think, with a story is kind of bucket three and then personal should be bucket four. So that's now how I organize it um, as far as content. Um, and then if you look at my feed for the most part, um I try to make it visually kind of appealing to where when it's all said and done, it kind of has a little bit of a theme and we have, uh, you know, brand fonts and color, it's really just black and white, but brand fonts and colors and things like that, that, you know, we also implement in there as well to try to make it look, you know, aesthetically pleasing. But, you know, from a content perspective, having those buckets, I think is the most important.
0: For those listening, go check out uh, Katie's Instagram account just for the highlights. I think those highlights rock. Uh, really, really well done. I, I guess, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> um, let's let's talk. Let's go back to real. Yeah. Uh, I think that you know we we talked about you what what brought you back over, um, but even in that short amount of time, some things have changed. And if you're talking to somebody yeah. today about real, you know what are you what are you telling them? What's the thing that uh, people need to know about what real's doing? I know Aaron Noble, I interviewed her recently, has come back over. Yeah. Right? And uh so it's 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 a it's an interesting company at this time.
1: So it's funny, um, because I you know, I do have a lot of conversations with people, especially, you know, as this is uh, uh you know, when I joined we were at two thousand agents, I was somewhere around two thousand, you know, sitting at, at December of twenty twenty one, you know, we're sitting closer to four thousand, you know, so a significant increase in agent count. It comes up a lot because a lot of people either were opening in a new state um, or in a new area or a new city. Or, you know, you just rolled over on Facebook and saw someone just join real and then you start looking into it and, and seeing these things, right? So for me, when I joined, like just being completely transparent, like the the numbers made sense for us, right? From where we were to where we were going, my team members would all make more money. And that was something that I was like, this is really a great opportunity for them. And that was the main driver was like, okay, if you can make more money per transaction in the short term, if you can potentially attract agents to the company, um, something that we were already doing with Cobalt bank or something that we would have done wherever we went, because we're growing our team and we're, we're we want to grow, you know, a local culture. Right. And you can financially benefit from that. Then cool. There's some additional money that you wouldn't have had, you know, potentially at other brokerages. Um, and then with the stock, right? So if we continue to grow this company the right way together, and the stock continues to increase, you know, and, and you're per- you're participating in the stock purchase program. Like you could have money, you know, today that increases in the future and the company also matches. So, you know, the the easiest way I like to describe it is it's like a 401k that you're never going to miss. And you have now you now have money in a publicly traded company that if the stock goes from, you know, and again, when we joined, it was like under $2 a share. Now we're sitting closer to four. Right. Like, so if it continues to do that in the future, that could be something that could be a a game changer for you and your family. So those were kind of the the reasons why we came over. That was how, you know, I I told the team once we made the decision of like hey, this is what we want to do and this is what that looks like for you financially. Like I think this is the right financial move. So that was that was why I came over. But now that I'm here, it's difficult to describe and that's that's what's kind of frustrating because it's not something that's quantifiable, but but like I'm not leaving because of the culture and I'm not leaving because of the people and the energy that we have in building this brokerage together like i have really good friends in you know alberta you know i have really good friends in san antonio south carolina north carolina like florida across the country that we talk on a daily basis and just the amount of energy and the amount of excitement and you know that we're all getting to do this together is just indescribable and it's difficult you know it's, it's frustrating because it's difficult to quantify to someone if they, if they want to join real if they want to hear more about real I'm like, Hey, we're really excited. And they're like, okay, that's great. Like, good for you. You know? So you know, came for the money staying for the people, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm just super thrilled to be here and I'm really excited to, to build something with people that I truly, you know, admire and respect and I'm just really happy to be in business with.
0: Katie, do you mind sharing what's next? What's on the horizon for, uh, move me to Texas? I'm always curious to see where, where these leaders in the industry are thinking about, you know, what, what they're going to do next.
1: Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I'm, I'm an open book. So, you know, ask me anything. I'm, I'm always, I'm always happy to share and always happy to, to, you know, give best practices or, or the things that I did wrong or whatever. So looking into next year, um, for 2022, we basically want to double our transaction count for next year. So we're, we're, going to put a lot of pressure on our systems and and our people, and continue to to grow and add more people to the team. That's one thing we're we're going to end the year just over uh, two hundred, just over two hundred closed and pending. So, uh, we're we're aiming for four hundred closed transactions next year. And then, um, we are also getting into development. Um, so you know, building homes here in Houston. Um, so that's something that you know we're we're starting to do right now, but will be you know a, a larger portion of our business in twenty. 22. Um, And then I think outside of that, from kind of a more in the business type thing, we're looking to do more YouTube, do more content, you know, the Gary V's and Tom Ferries of the world that are putting out highly produced content, plus not highly produced content, you know, just selfie video type stuff on a on a daily basis multiple times per day, like, I want to rival that. So you know, I have some ideas and I have some things we're already working on, but that's that's kind of the goal for next year: is how can we continue to level up? How can we continue to to put out better quality and um, higher production quality videos, right? So so better content and better um, quality, um, and just continue to raise the bar, you know, as much as possible.
0: I see a whole lot more hours for your videographer. Have you? Is that probably going to happen? I, you know, we've we've
1: had the conversation. He's aware of he's aware of my goals, and uh, you know. There, there are many a day that we spend the entire day together. So, yeah.
0: Katie, it's uh, that time. I've got to ask you the same final question that I've asked every guest since the beginning of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. And that is, what one piece of advice would you give a new agent just starting in the business?
1: Oh, only one. Man. No, I'm, I'm kidding.
0: No, you can have two. Two is fine.
1: I'm kidding. The, the two biggest things. I think that the first thing that I would say would be to whatever you choose to do, be consistent in it. Um, and then kind of the sidebar to that would be that don't let yourself get distracted by shiny objects. I think one of the biggest things in real estate is there's always someone that has the next best product. That's going to, that's going to change your business or that's going to revolutionize, you know, the industry or whatever it may be. And I think that, you know, at the end of the day, real estate's a relationship business. Real estate's about, you know, having conversations with your clients. It's real estate's about providing value. It's about doing things consistently. And, you know, for us, it's doing a transaction and then, you know, continuing that relationship with a client. Right. And I think that too many people think that, you know, they shoot one video, they do one open house, they go door knocking once, and they think like, oh, well, those clearly don't work because, you know, I didn't get a, a deal from it. And I mean, that's just not how real estate is. So I would say just be consistent in whatever you do. You need to, to give it time. Um, and and the consistency is what's going to take you far here.
0: Katie, if someone wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: The best place to reach me would be probably Instagram. Um, I, I respond to, to all of my direct messages, DMs on there. So it's move me to Texas, M-O-V-E-M-E-T-O-T-X and uh, happy to chat or you know set up a call or whatever it may be.
0: Katie, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to, to have a chat here on the Real Estate Sessions. Wonderful conversation. Love what you're doing. And I really look forward to watching your continued success as you move forward into 2022. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm glad we're connected. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Sessions. Please head over to ratethispodcast.com forward slash sessions to leave a review or a rating. And subscribe to the Real Estate Sessions podcast at your favorite podcast listening app.